Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So let's get right into it. Hey everyone, Tyler here, field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm, where we spend each and every day providing solutions to farmers to grow better crops and to make more money. I hope you're having a great day, and thank you for tuning into our podcast. We appreciate the time you give us, not only here on this platform, but also on our Facebook page. Today we have a guest that has an incredible story, and we're extremely thrilled that he's here and not only taking the time out of his busy schedule, but also sharing some stories with us. Matt is a row crop grower from northwest Iowa and has been on the team for a few years now. Not only does he manage his corn and soybean rotation, he's also a family man that spends many hours a day raising hogs. So thank you, Matt Rash, for joining us today. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me on the call. Yeah, I've been doing this interview series, and uh, you are one that I was excited about talking to because I know, you know, I've known you for a few years now, and I know uh, one of the things we're going to talk about, and I'm excited for you to share that story with the people that are listening to these podcasts. But before we get to that, why don't we just start with, kind of where you're from, um, you know, you know what, what you're doing, kind of I gave a little glimpse of the, the row crop and the livestock, but why don't you just kind of tell everybody kind of a little intro about yourself. You bet. So I'm from Sac County, Iowa, just five miles north of a town called Odie Bolt. Um, out here in northwest Iowa, I've been on this farm. Uh, I bought this acreage 20 years ago. I moved back, well, graduated from Iowa State in 1996, I've been farming with my family from day one, literally. Um, I can't remember a day that I wasn't involved in the farming operation. Started my own row crop in the year of 2000. And in 2013, it was, we added to my parents' hog operation. And we built, Janine and I built our own uh, wean-to-finish barn here. So we're, I'm managing... 8,000 pig spaces and got some part-time help to, you know, day-to-day labor to take care of that. And we're, we're loving every minute of it. We, no doubt there's some challenges that come along with livestock as there is everything, but uh, we're just, we're excited to be doing what we're doing out here. That's exciting. I, uh, I know that most of the time when, when we go to, you know, whether it's a pro ag or something like that, I, I normally, when we talk, it's always like, well, man, I got I got a load of hogs coming in or leaving at like three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. It always seems like it's extremely inconvenient. And I'm pretty sure there's one time and maybe we went to Sioux Falls or something like that. It's freezing, freezing cold, and you had to to load or unload hogs <laughs> before you could come yeah. up to the to the deal, dude. I I used to, you know, back on the my grandpa's farm where I was raised, we had some hogs, but we got rid of them when I was like. 10 or 12. My sister had them for a SAE project for FFA, but when I was getting to that age, we got rid of them, and I was kind of thankful because they're just, man, they're a lot of work, aren't they? They are. You know, and when I was growing up, Dad had a thorough finish operation, and when I went off to college, he discontinued the the farrowing operation and went into just feeder to finish, a little less time management on his part, you know, he's losing his help going to college. And uh, at that point, he had um, finishing hog sites strung out 14 miles from one end to the other and doing chores and 
no doubt that was labor intensive. So in the year 2005, he consolidated those into a, a confinement finishing site on his place. And then I added to it, like I said, in 2013 at our place. But um, yeah, there's never a dull moment when there's livestock around. But aside <laughs> from the livestock, you know, the, uh, the row crop operation, that's really what I thrive on. We I, let me back up a little bit. We custom feed the hogs, so yes, I do. We do the day-to-day care, and I let somebody else worry about the the financials, the feed rations, and we do what we know how to do, and we love to do with the hogs. Let somebody else worry about the technicals, the crop side <laughs> of it. We're doing both jobs there: uh, soil sampling and, and figuring out the rations, if you will, that the crop needs, and how to that and get the best performance we can out of our crops. I've been involved with the Conklin Company, I guess, through my parents since back, oh boy, back in the early 80s for sure, probably. Uh, my dad was a Conklin distributor back then. So 30-some years ago, he went away from it when the when the hog manure came on the scene, specifically in a liquid form. Um, didn't see a need for a lot of extra nutrients with this new thing we had is liquid hog manure. <laughs> yep. And, you know, it it was the latest and greatest at the time. And that's pretty much all we were using for, I don't know, 25, 30 years, something like that for our craft nutrients. And we hit a plateau and knew there had to be something different out here or something that we weren't seeing that we could help ourselves get better. And either you know, not only increase yields, but increase the ROI. And that's what it's all about is getting a return on your investment. And so I started doing some investigating and, and uh, came across a, I was actually sitting in the combine in the fall of, I believe it was, yeah, 2015. And I saw a, a tweet come across and it had a picture of a, a floater spreader out there spreading dry fertilizer. <laughs> yeah. and, all it said underneath that picture was, call me before you do this this fall. <laughs> and I, I took the bait, so I called. And it, I, I called and talked to Chad Hedrick, and I think we had like an hour and a half phone conversation that first time we talked. Well, I was mm-hmm. going back and forth through the field and combine of beans. And, and uh, that winter, then, I went to the Pro Ag in Ankeny, and became a part of the team from there on like so that would have been February of two thousand sixteen and I've been a part of the a better way to farm team since then. Awesome. That I was interested in that because I actually didn't know, you know, I've known you since two thousand sixteen. Um but I didn't realize that you well, we probably talked about it, but I didn't realize that your parents were basically the ones that kinda got you involved and you'd heard about the the company and everything, and uh, but but yeah, I kind of went away and then kind of came back. You know, that's one of the stories that that I tell as well. And it it was interesting that um, you know back on my farm, my grandpa just came to us one day and we said, "Oh, uh, we're switching all the oil over to this this one kind of oil," and um, you know I'll never forget it happened to be. Conklin's convoy oil, you know, as as you learn more about the, the Conklin company, there's several different product divisions, just like 
it's Corteva now, but, you know, when you look at, like, Dow or DuPont used to be, you know, with the house wrap and the, you know, pharmaceuticals and all that stuff, you know, these these major companies have different product divisions. And, you know, never never thought about it ever since. And then, you know, I met Preston on the team, and he's the one that introduced me to the the system and the Better Way to Farm team and, and kind of what we do. And, and it's a similar deal where you were at where you said, you know what, we've got a I like the way these guys think, and, and this is what I want to do. And it just happened to be – it just kind of happened to be with that company that you were familiar with from the past. So I think that's that's very interesting. Yeah, it, you know – I always had the Conklin Company in the back of my mind as something I wanted to investigate again as as I became more in charge of, of the day-to-day operations. And, and like you said, Tyler, we, we had convoy oil on the shelves back there in the 80s yep. and <laughs> yep. never really thought much of it. We had we used WEX in uh, 55-gallon drums back then, mainly as a, as a spray adjuvant, but all those products I always as growing up and through college I always wondered in the back of my mind, you know, whatever happened to this stuff and we're well it's still out there. We just need to, you know, let's take a look again. I always knew they had great products and decided I want to take a look and see what we could do for our operation again. Yeah. Yep. You know, the interesting thing and kinda of going off tangent a little bit, but you know, one of the things, so I joined the team in 2014 um, and, and kind of heard about it. You know, I met Preston in 2011, I think, um, and finally, um, you know, opened my account and, and started working with Preston and Rod and everyone there. And, you know, nowadays we talk about, um, you know, some of these nitrogen-fixing bacteria and um, you want, like, uh azospirilla and stuff like that and and it's you know all oh, this is the newest latest and greatest and the conklin company actually got rid of a product because we didn't promote it enough called magnify lai <laughs> and that's what it was it was that uh, azospirillum and you know we just it just wasn't talked about it wasn't promoted and um you know it wasn't a buzzword back then and you know it's just funny that you know, this company has been around for over 50 years. We've been doing this this system for over 30 years, and we're still finding more and more people every single day that are, oh, I've, I've never heard about you, or, oh, I kind of heard about you a little bit, but I didn't realize, you know, you were doing you were doing that with the products and stuff like that. So it, it's, yeah. it's interesting, you know, just like, so how long have you been, you, have you used, Wex, or did you guys get away from Wex and everything as well when you went 100% manure? Yeah, we went away from everything. Um, did you? Yep. Just didn't, I guess at that time, they didn't feel the need for additional fertility in furrow, or I don't know the reason for going away from the uh, adjuvants of Wex and that that sort of thing, but the hog manure was, was still great. I mean, it took us from I remember this, one of the first times we applied hog manure, it took us from like a 36-bushel bean yield to a 63-bushel. Well, this <laughs> stuff is the best there ever is. I mean, why would we need anything else? So that's, right. that's the direction the farm went. Yep, yep. And so you started to question it again because, like you said, you kind of hit that plateau and you saw Chad's uh, Facebook or, or Twitter, maybe you called it a tweet. Yep. 
so you, you kind of reached out to Chad and you had that hour and a half long conversation and how, so how did that conversation go and what did that kind of turn into? What, when you were talking to Chad, kind of, kind of lead us into what, what happened next? I don't, I can't even begin to remember what all we talked about that day on the phone, but <laughs> I'm sure we talked about, a, you know, infrared liquids and how you can replace dry broadcast with infrared liquids with a, a safe product. And, you know, we talked about a whole host of things and, and how we can get our yield levels and ROI to the next level. But the next thing I remember doing with Chad was he had a, a conference call, say, in January or December or January there after harvest, and he had some of his growers on. And, and I remember one of those individuals that had been working with Chad for a number of years, um, he personally guaranteed me my money back to go to ProAg if I didn't think it was worth worth my time oh, to go cool. to ProAg. Yep. And I thought that, you know, man, this has got to be something. I actually kind of thought I'd be I'd be calling, I think it was Landon Porter at the time, but um, mm-hmm. we, I actually thought I'd be calling him up and saying, dude, I need my 250 bucks or whatever it was. <laughs> I don't know at the time what it was. But anyway, I went to that first pro ag and we talk all the time about, it's like drinking with fire hydrant. It yeah. truly was. I mean, you're just, you're so drained in a good way. I mean, you just, your brain is kind of mush actually when you come out of it because there's so much information. I yep. came home with, I think, eight handwritten notebook pages front and back of notes that first time I went to Pro Ag. And for the first two or three seasons after that Pro Ag, I'd go back to that notebook. And and I still do on, on occasion, but I've been to several Pro Ag since then, so I, I've digitized my notes. But that first <laughs> set of notes that I've got on from Pro Ag – I'd refer back to that two or three times a year at least for a couple, yep. three seasons. And just, to, hey, what do we talk about here? Because, you know, something to come up in conversation. And like, hmm, I know we talked about that at ProAg. Let me flip through my notes and see what I can find. <laughs> and sure enough, there's something from Denny Damon or a conversation that, that we had with another grower that was there and just bouncing ideas off of each other. And you, yeah, man, I want to take this home and try this at my place and see how it works. Yeah, yeah. And so for those of you that are listening, our ProAg program is a two-day fundamentals of agronomy class. And it it really is. It, it's not only for the the person that honestly might not even know anything about agriculture at all, um, but it's willing to, to kind of learn about it. Um, but but it even it, it even benefits the the long time um you know field agronomists that have been you know a CCA and all that stuff and you know because that's where that's kind of where I was I I didn't have my oh maybe I did have my CCA when I when I joined um but you know I told Preston again I went to Iowa State just like you did and so of course coming out of Iowa State we already know everything there is to know about agriculture right exactly yeah <laughs> so so why do we need this extra training and I you know, I've worked at the co-op and I've written fertility recommendations and I do grid sampling and, you know, I can do all this stuff. And, you know, I've got my, uh, you know, I'm a certified crop advisor and I don't need to go to that dang, you know, two-day fundamentals of agronomy training. And 
yeah, I went there and, you know, because Preston says it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant, but gosh dang it, you know, I, I don't need to be wasting my time here. And then you sit there and you're like, ooh, yep, five minutes in. Yeah, I better take that note. <laughs> and then I just, you know, like you said, you, you have pages and pages and pages of notes. I've got, you know, now we're in a kind of a digital world, so I use an iPad and I literally, uh, you can just scroll and scroll and scroll about how many notes that I've taken from that training program, it's just unbelievable, you know, how much knowledge that you can get out of there. And that's one of the things, you know, if you listen to Rod at all, well, I'll, I'll, so I'll ask you, what does Rod say that you'll get as far as value? If you go to this flag training and you don't buy one single product from the Conklin company, how much money per acre are you going to get just in value, just in knowledge that we give you as a grower? I think without a doubt. You know, you could come home with, like you said, just in, in valuable information, 15, 20 bucks an acre. Yep. yep. Um, it just, it's unbelievable the amount of information that you, not only from the presenters, but one of my favorite parts is you sit down at lunch or dinner that night with like-minded growers and talk about what's working on their farm and this and that. I actually, a couple of years ago, I found some guys from the Amana Farms here in Iowa that were actually running on 20-inch row corn like we do and doing wide drops. And I'm like, how do you guys go down the rows? You know, how do you, because I'm struggling with this. Do I put narrower tires on my sprayer? We ended up moving row units on the planter to make some tram lines out there. And yep. it makes a world of difference. It's just little things like that that you pick up from just talking with your neighbors while you're sitting there having lunch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable, especially the first couple you go to that there will be people there that have, have been there, you know, 10, 20, 30 times and they're still going back because they're still learning more, but you get that opportunity to sit down as, as the first time attendee to talk to the guy that's been there 20 times and how it fits in their operation. And yeah, you say, okay, well, the, the guys up at the front of the room, you know, are saying this stuff and yeah, it makes sense, but it's nice to get that validation from other growers that have been using the system, you know, for a while now and, and still find value in that training. So that, that is absolutely critical when it comes to what we do, it's about education, right? We're not out there to to take advantage of someone. Again, if you listen to Rod, one of the biggest things he says is that that everything in agriculture is good for someone. <laughs> we just want to make sure it's good for you, and you want to make sure it's good for you. Get so, sure exactly right. Make sure you know who it's good for. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So so we got you the pro ag. You you've been introduced to some of the team. You've obviously tried some Conklin products in the past, including Wex, but when you got home, talk, kind of talk to us about that first year. What were some of the things? What, what, did you jump in whole hog, no pun intended, um, or did you go, did, did you just sample a few products? Or kind of tell us about kind of kind of after that first initial onboarding, what was next? So I went to Pro Ag in, in February of 16, and, and a, a direct – Upfront, blunt answer: No, I did not go in whole hog. Um, I tried two products. Number one, Amplify. Number two, one of our micronutrients is the the boron. Well, let me back up a couple steps. 
first thing I did after being a pro ag and and listening to that and and the systems and how the it's a systems approach. The first yep. thing I did that next spring was after it thawed out enough. I went out and pulled some soil samples. Awesome. And sent those in to Midwest Labs and and they come back to me via the internet and I can see those samples right there, share them with whoever I want to share them with. Or it's my data and I can do with do with it what I want and yep. control who sees those. And I was low in boron was one of the, the main micronutrient issues that we had. Um like boron, what's this? You know, I've never <laughs> never been on my radar as yeah. something that we need to apply to our crop ground. Yes. So the <laughs> more it's I, something new, man, I, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they just pulled this one out of the air. It must be something that we don't even have to worry about. But um, one of my own advisors that I had done some visiting with had told me in the past that, you know, you get enough sulfur and boron from your hog manure. You don't need to worry about those two. Mm-hmm. And so just out of curiosity, I had some hog manure tested for boron. And it came back non-detectable. I'm like, well, we're not getting more on out of the augmenter, so <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> um, we better we better check this out. And on the soil test, we came back low to very low to I don't know. We help me out if I'm if I'm not right here, Tyler. But I think a 0.3 on a boron test is considered critical. If you're that yeah. low. Yep, yeah, we're looking for levels. We're honestly looking for levels at 0.8 and above. Anything below 0.8 and it's getting to the point where you need to apply some. So, yeah, if you're at 0.3, 0.2, 0.1, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. So, a zero, yeah, so 0.8, we're, we're talking about getting critical and we need to apply something. I had some samples come back at that 0.3, 0, 0.0 type thing. And I'm like, <laughs> holy cow, what are we going to do here? Yep. And... So we got together with Chad, and, well, what can I try here? So I bought enough boron that first year to do 40 acres. I think we put on, yeah, we put on one pint of boron on 40 acres. We applied that with our late-season fungicide on the corn. Yep. And ran the combine through, and we had a 12-bushel yield response that year where we applied that boron, and I'm like, wow, that's, you know, I could be a little bit off on my numbers, but I think that was somewhere around 6 bucks an acre and 12 bushel. It doesn't take me long, even with my Iowa State math, to know that that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, because a pint of boron is going to run you like 3 4 bucks, something like that, so at that wholesale price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a bushel of corn is what it costs us to put that pint of boron out there. You know, it's kind of yeah. a no-brainer to me. So we've been using boron every year since then. <laughs> yeah. And actually, this year, 2020, or 2020, yeah, 2020, I did say that, right? Yep. yep. Um, we put a system on our planter to put nitrogen down at the planter and did some tests with boron in with that. <coughs> I don't have my yield results figured out yet, but I do know that when I took tissue samples that 
that B3 to V6 range, I was finding those boron levels coming up in those plants where I had applied that boron with my nitrogen with the planter. So I'm pretty excited about that to see what we come up with when come up with for yield results on those boron trials this year. Yeah, and you know, obviously you can you're seeing some benefit this year. So so we can naturally assume that you probably had one of the best growing conditions this year anywhere in the state, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. We started out really well. Yes. Maybe absolutely good for us. Um July I don't know. We just plain ran out of water. Yep. We, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit, Tyler, maybe a, yep, a small text or phone call. Um, our 10 year average rainfall here is 22 inches and we had 11 inches this growing season. So that's not nearly enough to grow a corn crop on. No, and no. The, uh, the yield showed it, the, you know, yield suffered this year, but we did see that boron in the, in the tissue early on this season. Yep. And I'm, you know, like I said, I haven't looked at my yield data, but I'm hoping it's going to correlate to some yield difference in those strips that I did. Well, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we even, that we even talk about at those, those pro lab trainings. That's part of the information is that, you know, we know with some of the products that, that if you're just um, addressing a limiting nutrient like a boron, or we also know that, like, potassium is vital to stock strength and drought stress. But if you're building a healthy plant or making sure that the potassium load in that plant is extremely high in those environments, you're going to see that beneficial yield. Yes, there's, um, there's a limiting factor in the amount of rain you got. You know, I would honestly say that even if you look at your average – high yields in those years, if you look at the weather pattern in those years, my guess is you had slightly above average rainfall and probably slightly below average temperatures, but you were also, um, it, was, it wasn't cloudy and overcast, it was, you had a lot of sunshine. So you didn't have a ton of rain and cloudiness, it, it would just bring rains you know, at about perfect timing, but, it, you know, sun was out all the time, but it stayed anywhere from 75 to 82, 84 degrees, and that was it. And, you know, that's absolutely ideal, and you guys, unfortunately, just just didn't have that. I mean, we I live, oh, man, what do I live, probably 45, 50 miles kind of south-ish of you, and right. we're, we're on the border of that, that drought, too. I think, were, were you in the D2, D3? Drought. We were in D3 for a while, yes. Yep, yep, yeah, which is just, that. there's nothing There's nothing that anyone can do. No matter what program, system, products, whatever, there's nothing anyone can do at that point to protect that. Unless you're going to get, yeah. um, you know, I suppose if you're running like drip irrigation or constant irrigation, but you're in an area where you don't need center pivots because you get, generally you get plenty of rainfall. Um, you know, that's some, so that's something that you guys just don't think about. And, and unfortunately, it, it kind of hurt not only you, but obviously the growers around you as well. But that's one of the things I want to drive home, that with addressing those limiting nutrients, even if it's just boron, we're building that healthier plant. So, yeah, I'm excited for those results yeah. as well. I'm assuming we're yeah. going to see what we've always seen. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.